Good morning, Patriots, and today is Wednesday, January 3rd in in the year 2023. I'm just going to kind of explore some things this morning and looking at the continued rise in threats in our southern border, but more importantly, kind of looking at the old context of the fallout of this letter that was done and what that represents for us as far as how we're looking at this war and how we're going to have to fight because there's a... Definitely an inclination of people desiring, which I think is very dangerous, the idea of having a gun war. And that's ultimately the biggest victory for the deep state, is if they can bring us to hate and fight one another, which is well within their design and hope for us. 
One thing real quickly, and that is the times in which we live demand that we start, we have to prepare for things we'd always like to prepare for. And part of that is the unfortunate unknowns of what these psychopath elites may be up to. They are willing to do just about anything to protect their way of life. And in so doing, protecting the idea that the knowledge that is being gained would be erased. There's only a few avenues to be able to do that. One is war. And the other is being able to have a complete and total wipeout of the web and everything else, shutting down the power and resetting the system. The easiest way to do that from a dramatic point of view is an EMP. So be prepared. Head on over to empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and get $50 off and free shipping. Great product. And in so doing, you'll be able to get a device that will fit for any aspect of your home, whether it's your home, whether it's your ATV, whether it's um, your vehicle, RV, your standalone generator, your solar systems. These systems all have different demands, and these EMP shields are designed for these specific applications, easy to install, a veteran-owned company, American-made product, and all tested at the best labs for these sorts of things to make sure that you're protected from an EMP level 1, 2, and 3, lightning strikes, and solar flares. So again, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, at checkout to get $50 off and free shipping. It's a great insurance policy and one everybody should have. So I've been kind of weighing on something. I'm going to jump right into this this morning, and it's um, it's something that's come to my attention. It's a story that we've been telling that apparently, um, as we interpreted it and were informed about, um, that's apparently, according to the poster on Telegram, was not the way it happened. There is a, I've talked about the wheelchair. And I'm, we're going to pray for somebody after this because I'm going to speak it by name of who they are. And there's a good reason because I know who she is and I know how far, how much I've been involved in this person's life, like it or not. But the wheelchair I talked about at the end of Bars Fest was representative of somebody being able to get up and walk. And that truth is, was there, but well, there's a post being put up by Jenny Lynn, who's part of Bars Nation, that's calling this out basically as, trying to proclaim this to be a fake miracle. Jenny Lynn suffers from extreme pain in her body. And um, we've prayed for her a lot, and I can't tell you the number of rebuking emails I've had from her because this is a person who, unfortunately, for Jenny Lynn, and I know this is why we're going to pray for it, she lives in pain. And pain becomes a narrative upon itself. It's a story upon itself that starts to convince us that we can't live without it. The wheelchair was very significant because Jenny Lynn during Bars Fest hit a moment, which most people don't know. It was at night. We were working deliverance, and she was moving without pain. And then it just didn't stay. And I, I, if we've told the story incorrectly, which apparently we have, we totally, I totally own that. It wasn't the intention, and it literally was not the story that was shared with me. So we, we weren't making up miracles. But I think what the, apparently the wheelchair was brought for her and then she said, I, I just refuse to use it. And there's a certain par- portion about that, that when you leave something like that behind, you are leaving. She definitely did kind of walk out. What I witnessed with Jenny Lynn was the, the idea that 
she actually was able to walk without pain. We And I can give you 15 witnesses to that point. The problem we have, and this is why I bring this up, and it's not picking on her in any way, but it's an example of the power of which we control our world by narrative. Narratives themselves, dark or or positive or, or negative, can shape our world. And I we have we have actively prayed for Jenny Lynn for a lot of time, and have been active in helping her through some difficult, difficult times. And I really want to start today with a prayer for Jenny Lynn because she suffers from a lot of chronic pain. It's a sciatica that's paralyzing. I've had it. I understand it. I've worked through it. There's some physical and there's some, a lot of spiritual sides to this. The biggest thing about pain in general is we can't let pain become our narrative. And I guarantee you this will flash up some horrible response uh, in, in retort, trying to accuse me of whatever. My intention here is, one, to clarify a story which was that we've been talking about this wheelchair being a symbol of, of Barsfest, which it still is. But in the extension of the story that I was telling, is it apparently did not was not the way, according to Jenny Lynn, would actually happen. So I'm going to take that for face value because I trust what she's saying is truthful. But what I, I don't agree with, because I've had these direct conversations, is that there's a willingness and a desire, there's a bitterness in this, and I'm, and I'm going to speak this. Bitterness does not come from God. Bitterness comes from the devil. And we have to avoid having being bitter over things when we understand the intent of things are pure. And it is important to understand that what we're trying to do here always is to raise people up and heal them. We have plenty of stories we can tell about miracle healing, and I'll continue to tell them. And testimonies is the foundation of our scripture. If a story like this is, ends up being not as it was, was, I'm going to correct that as we're doing. But equally, I know that there's a lot more to this. And I'm not going to speak the details that I do know, but I know that there's a great deal more to this story from the person who is from Jenny Lynn. And I, I prayed for her, and I've told her we pray for her to heal because a lot of it is letting go. And this is a lesson to everybody that we literally need to step into these places and heal things, and part of healing is letting go. And that gets to 1 John, 13, 1 John 3, of loving thy neighbor in the deepest way, but also loving ourself in a way because we love God and not being burdened by the things and trusting. And I can tell you the problem with many, when we get into places, and we're all like this, it's very hard for us to look in the mirror and let go of the most, the biggest things we have to let go of. I'm number one, when someone violates my trust, I'm very slow at coming back to accepting them back in my life again. This happened recently with um, another person that's deep in faith that was I was extremely disappointed with. And the person I just had early come to know. And this person has made, had made some pretty outstanding, pretty impressive, first of all, not knowing me, some pretty impressive accusations against me. And I just... And I just blew him off. This person has since come back and apologized. The apology is, um, it wasn't delivered the way that my expectations were. And yet, it was an apology. So I've had to kind of work through that process and let things go and, and accept the apology and move on because ultimately God wants us united. Jenny Lynn's somebody in our community we've cared for very much and I want her healed. I want nothing more than that. And 
so in the in the in the telegram piece that was put out there it was basically accusing us of creating fake miracles. We're not doing anything of the sort, and I never would, and that would not be of God. And it was the it was a story that the way it was re- related to us was very different than the way she's relating it. And if that's the case and her story is true, then we we're we're correcting that on the record now. But from the standpoint of Jenny Lynn. I really want to pray for her healing today because so much of this is a, a burden that has become part of her life and an unwillingness in her life to let go and let God do the work. So join me in prayer. So Father God, we just want to thank you this morning as we come together and we're just going to pray for Jenny Lynn and just pray that in this moment in time that we can just reach her in a way the Holy Spirit can reach her and to heal the wound and heal the burden and, and take that burden off of her to lift her up in such a way that she can see a world without pain as we all witnessed that that actually happened when we could step away from the stories and narratives that are constantly repeating the the re, re, constant repeating of this fact that pain has to be part of healing and we know that that's not of you God because pain is not part of you so father we just pray and we pray into the the power of, of the healing we pray into the power of, of the joy and the glory of heaven and the power of, of, of the Holy Spirit to literally move through us and to release ourselves from the bonds and the chains that bind us and to set us free into a world where we can step in and overcome those greatest issues, the deeper woundings that are always going to be in the spirit, not in the flesh. Father, I think this is one of the things that we constantly struggle with is where is the source of the pain? And when we get to the source of the pain, it ultimately ends up being first and foremost in the spirit. And it's there when we deal with those issues that the physical begins to truly heal. So, Father, we just pray in here right now that we can we pray into a massive and, and immediate healing and pray in, in that such a way that the healing of the spirit is profound and total and that whatever is there is being released, that those bonds and, and soul ties and things that are holding that pain in place are cut and set free, and that within the space flows the Holy Spirit to heal, to restore, and to set free. So we pray these things over Jenny Lynn. We pray these things over her life. We pray these things for restorative healing. We pray that she can receive these things in her heart and to hear them and to turn to you and to truly open her heart up to you with the love and the compassion that is needed to embrace that healing and to let the old go and to step into the new and to truly be reborn. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Lots of things that have gone on yesterday. It was a big day. And that big day was significant in a letter that was set out on the 1st of January, which we talked about. And this letter was Declaration of Accountability for the Military. And it's the reason this becomes so critical in our time is that this declaration of military accountability is the way to either be setting this nation from a structural point of view and why I wanted to get into this a little bit today. We are in a uh, particular place in our nation where seeing restoration seems to be increasingly impossible. The depth of corruption in our in our Agencies, a depth of corruption within our moral fabric of this nation is is beyond the pale. And yet there are people who can lead a nation back. They're not going to be in your political realm. 
They're not going to be in your, it's rare that they'll be in the business realm, at least the big business. It's rare that they'll ever be in Wall Street. And it's rare that it'll be in our government because there's been so much loss of moral character and moral strength that people have just been unwilling or unable to follow a path as our founding fathers had intended that we follow. And in so doing have left the country behind for the benefit of themselves. There's, I don't think there's a greater example of this depravity right now than within the ranks of our military where it's highly concentrated and it is a place where it is a, it's a demonstration for the world to show an ideology of broken because so much of our nation is broken. And that's really on par, on par with where we began with this prayer today, is that our nation has become a nation of broken and wants to live in the pain of itself. And, and that's Holy Spirit right here. And this is literally the, the challenges that we face right now is the military becomes an example of the greater nation, which is a sad statement. The moral ineptitude of a nation comes out in the many forms. Let me give you this piece here to kind of frame this for what we are talking about right in this moment. Hang on a sec. So... Inclusion is a national security imperative. We fight today and we are gonna fight in the future using brain power. And if that brain, who's gonna revolutionize the way we fight in space, we fight in cyber, just happens to be in a trans body, you should want them all serving alongside me. And for your organizations, it's the same way. Those perspectives that we get from a diverse set of individuals, it's been talked about on stage a lot regarding the science behind high-performing teams. We need those perspectives. But it's inclusion that actually drives that. Because you can bring people in, and if they don't feel safe to speak up, if they don't feel safe to bring their full selves to work, you're not gonna get the value of the diversity. So for us, it is absolutely critical to drive our future success as an organization and potentially on the battlefield. And I think it's the same way for all of you because we can't leave that talent that is gonna revolutionize the way we do business behind. I think we have a that was from an illustrious transgender, trans, 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 I guess it's a new rank, Lieutenant Colonel of the military. As Brad Miller writes on this post, when he posted this on, on X, brain power question mark, those who fight against truth and order or who attempt to set their personhood in direct opposition to nature's to nature aren't exactly operating at the highest cognitive horsepower. They need help and should receive it, but we, we can't pretend they're optionally functional. Our nation is unfortunately so broken that imperfection and lesser than great has become the standard of where we all need to strive to. The trans movement are people that are broken and by design by some because they've gone through the programming in the schools to convince them that they're guilty of, they should be feel guilty about who they are and then seek an alternate identity to the corruption within the parenting that has allowed those belief systems to corrupt, to filter in. And the constant barrage against the character of children, which is turning them upside down. The trans movement is a movement of grooming, 
ultimately at the core there's pedophilia and everything about them is to make everybody like them which means destroy God's creation so that has become a place so as we move forward in this movement and we have to understand what we're fighting against we're fighting against a nation that unfortunately has accepted the pain of brokenness as a standard. And that's something that we have, it's a principality and a control that we're gonna to have to continue to pray against because a nation to rise up to be great again has to see itself as great, not as great in itself, but great in the eyes of God. And so why this movement, this letter, not movement, this letter is important, is that this letter represents a lethal strike against the institution that is literally the most visible and the most prominent in its attempt to be able to demonstrate brokenness into the world. Now, there is an entire demonic aspect to this, and there's no question about that because, and I've dealt with it firsthand to be able to say with confidence that we're dealing with a spiritual war against people that are bringing out the gay nature and the lesbian nature and the transphobic, or transphobic, the trans nature, I guarantee you I'll get put on some hate list sheet because I don't like trans and that'll be translated to hate speech, which now according to the Department of Defense, they can use a drone strike to kill me because I'm a domestic terrorist because I don't support trans, which I don't. And I think that it, the whole trans movement and including gay and lesbians that support this and anybody else that support this, you're an abomination because you actually supported the mutilation of children in the worship of Baal and Moloch. So I just want to be clear where I stand on this so nobody gets confused. And it's, it's disgusting to me. So we are dealing with a, the military, though, has become the change agent. And if there's any question about that, it's important to go back to 2008 when Obama stepped into office and they began pushing in the get rid of don't ask, don't tell and they begin focusing on the policy of mainstreaming the acceptance of gays and lesbians, and then that led us to the acceptance of transgenders, which now went so far as to make the military the place they could go to to get free surgery at taxpayers' expense and ensuring that they could get their, their hormone therapy drugs for free. I mean, this is literally what that whole process was about because the military itself was seen as a change agent. And as a change agent, they were literally able to change the nation. So don't understate the power. So... In looking at that, and we talked a little bit about this last night in, with, when Commander Green was on the uh, show, is that there is a profound attempt here to, re to right the ship, and there are many that will support this, of cleaning up the military to restore it to a morally just and right organization that is not corrupted by the practices that are anti-God and to root out of it, which is very active, the possession, the aspects of of Satanism, which exist within its ranks, and it's horrible. But they have to be purged. There's a good piece here by it goes by Shu H S H O E. It's also Samosaur A at A S at S A M O S A U R on on X. I think it's worth listening to.
I do not know whether it is to yourself or Mr. Adams I am to give my thanks for the copy of the new Constitution. I beg leave through you to place them where due. It will be yet three weeks before I shall receive them from America. There are very good articles in it, and very bad. I do not know which preponderate. What we have lately read in the history of Holland, in the chapter on the Stratholder, would have sufficed to set me against the chief magistrate eligible for a long duration, if I had ever been disposed towards one. And what we have always read of the elections of Polish kings should have forever excluded the idea of one continuable for life. Wonderful is the effect of impudent and persevering lying. The British ministry have so long hired their gazetteers to repeat and model into every form lies about our being in anarchy, that the world has at length believed them, the English nation has believed them, the ministers themselves have come to believe them, and what is more wonderful, we have believed them ourselves. Yet where does this anarchy exist? Where did it ever exist except in the single instance of Massachusetts? And can history produce an instance of a rebellion so honorably conducted? I say nothing of its motives. They were founded in ignorance, not wickedness. God forbid we should ever be 20 years without such a rebellion. The people cannot be all and always well-informed. The part which is wrong will be discontented in proportion to the importance of the facts they misconceive. If they remain quiet under such misconceptions, it is a lethargy, the forerunner of death to the public liberty. We have had 13 states independent 11 years. There has been one rebellion. That comes to one rebellion in a century and a half for each state. What country before ever existed a century and a half without a rebellion? And what country can preserve its liberties if the rulers are not warned from time to time that their people preserve the spirit of resistance? Let them take arms. The remedy is to set them right as to facts, pardon, and pacify them. What signify a few lives lost in a century or two? The tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. It is its natural manure. Our convention has been too much impressed by the insurrection of Massachusetts. And in the spur of the moment, they are setting up a kite to keep the hen yard in order. I hope in God this article will be rectified before the new constitution is accepted. So this is an important component in the tree of liberty. So we are living in a nation again, and when you live in brokenness, you're not, you're not willing to sacrifice yourself, you're not willing to give to yourself to a greater cause because you're wallowing in the pain of your own misery. This was by design. This, this country was hijacked, and it takes us back, obviously, to the Act of 1871 when the Republic of America, the Republic was turned into a corporate entity managed by a few. D.C. was created as an outside state, not even a state, to manage the affairs of the states. And increasingly that power was given over to robber barons and other elites with the sole purpose of turning this nation into a nation of slaves that did no longer believe in their power or their authorities, but rather believed in their lives and the burdens put upon their lives and a state that could willfully add more burdens to them and people would acknowledge it, but they would do nothing about it. This letter that went out on Monday, in my opinion, is very anointed. And it's a way to understand everybody that's on that letter. Everybody walks in the belief that God is in power here, that we're restoring our authorities through him. And it is important to appreciate that, as we heard Commander Green speak last night, that he was 
it became very evident to him that this letter grew and went greater in, in volume, speed, trajectory, all these things that anyone ever conceived. It was viral within 36 hours. And why that becomes so important is that there wasn't the next step anticipated. They didn't think this letter would be this big. And he realized right away as a good commander that in order to make this true, there has to be action items that people can follow through so they can see a course of action from something like this because otherwise you lose momentum. And this is actually a really good statement on a lot of levels, which we'll come back to in just a second. But if you don't have a, if everything you do is about an action that takes you to no outcome, it exhausts the cycle to where people ultimately get broken down and they give up. And he realized that. And so as he said last night, the first thing he did is he turned to prayer. This is a commander that we have in our military, in the Navy in particular, that is one who seeks wisdom through God first, then leads his command. And that's what he was doing. And that's the sort of reset we're talking about in a nation. That the confidence in the process is to always lean to God first. But unfortunately, in the context of our nation, we look at our brokenness first. And brokenness is not of us. Brokenness is of the devil. Brokenness is the part of the spiritual war that's constantly wearing us down. Brokenness is trying to tell us all you are trying to achieve victory when in fact we have victory and that we're fighting from victory into, from victory and bringing greater victory into this world. Brokenness is telling you things like the book of Acts isn't part of what we are now, meaning the idea of having prophetic and apostolic, the idea of having miracle healing. It's the number one thing the devil's going to attack. Because the miracles, witnessing the miracles of the living God will transform people to love in him. So it comes as no surprise that going back to where we began today, that an attack would come to try to discredit Bard's Fest through a principle of saying that a particular story was created and we're creating false miracles, which we're not. Because that other part of the story, like I explained to you, is we witnessed that miracle. It's just that that person didn't want to accept it. And right, right there is a very powerful place to understand that we have to be part of a process of healing ourselves. We've become a nation where we're expecting someone else to fix it for us. The hope in writing that letter, the letter being put out with 231 names, is that and one is a standout because I think with the reminder there for me, I, and this was given this morning by the prayer team, a very good point is why was there 231 and not 230? And the prayer team's response was because it's a reminder of the power of the one, the 99 and the one, the power of the one. That's why that one is there. And I believe that's the correct, the correct interpretation for us to realize the power of one. But the change doesn't come because God's going to pour it on us and make it all better. The change doesn't come because Jesus is going to race in and, and rapture us out and then fix everything. Those, those are the escape modules that are trying to tell us that somehow in the belief system, we have no authority here. We have no control here. We have no power to heal. The devil will attack that which is most threatening. Bardsfest had tremendous stories of healing and miracle healing. We have tremendous stories of miracle healing every Sunday. And the thing about so much of the healing is people's willingness in their hearts to accept healing too. It's not just a one-way street. We don't just pour into somebody and somebody like suddenly jumps up and says, I'm all good. There has to be a desire and a willingness to receive. That goes with every single one of us. And that goes as our nation. 
The turning point of this letter, I think, which shows is why it's very critical and why it's interesting for me that I was involved in a letter of my own in 2016, which you can still find on Breitbart News. And as a, as a document of reference, if you were to type in Kilroy Rising, K-I-L-R-O-Y, Rising, or just write, type in Kilroy, you type in my name, Scott Kesterson, and you type in Breitbart. And you go to the Breitbart channel and you will find this letter that's titled 100 plus members of special forces community deliver letter of endorsement to Trump on the 15th anniversary of 9-11. This is all in stages. This letter did the similar thing. It made a very strong position statement and in so doing um, called out a sitting president, which I did, which didn't go over well, but that's okay. We always enjoy that. Um, it called out a sitting president and gave an endorsement to President Trump by virtue of the fact that General Flynn had endorsed him. And then under that letter, there are 100 plus names of special operations veterans that were signed on. That letter had a motion in it, a measure of shift. It was highly criticized by the left. And it had a mo momentum to pick up people in the MAGA movement, which was more of an inspirational piece than anything. The letter this last week is as a significant different timing and placement because the nation has moved. The nation has moved to a place now that it's it's looking at the truth more deeply. It's not, and it's looking for a solution. And the 231 signatories on there represent a solution, a pathway of commitment. And so the thousands of signatures that have followed onto the online version of this have demonstrated a willingness of people to step in now and to say, we're willing to give something to this nation to save it. I'm not just waiting for somebody to fix it for me. The important part about that is to remember what God needs and what he doesn't need. It would be nice to see well over a million signatories on that page, and maybe we'll get there. And I, it would speak boldness. It would be nice to see 80 million people willing to step in and back that letter in position of restoring the military because that would speak to a greater percentage of the country that was really able and willing to step in now and say, I will, I will lay it all down for this nation. The reality is we probably won't. And it's not because the nation's bad at its core necessarily, but it is because the people are living in a narrative of brokenness, unwilling to accept a pathway where we can take charge and accept God's gift into us and then step into the miracles of healing. Because the miracles of healing are there. All we literally have to do to God is say yes. We simply have to say yes, but the yes is the hardest place to get to because to get to the yes, we have to go through a fire, a refinement. And this is the burning of the silver and the dross. And it has to be deep and it has to be intense. And this fire hurts when we do it. It means we have to go deep into our walk in our life. We have to be held, holding ourselves accountable at the highest order of the mistakes that we've made, of the sins that we've made. And we have to be willing to lay it all down. Because we're, when you when you do a process like this, which I encourage everybody to constantly pray into and do, we the process of the pain of getting through that to accomplish a new level of understanding, to level up into something new, that pain process, which I refer to as sorrow that leads to love. Once we understand the sorrow of the pain of which we walked, we understand more greatly that which our God, our Father feels for us as we walk away from him. And every time we sin, that is the place that we arrive. 
And so this process of healing that we go through, when we literally lay it all down and we feel that, and it's literally a physical experience of feeling the pain of that which was done in our lives, the things that we're holding accountable, the things that we're letting go, we feel that pain burning out of our heart. It's painful. It might be a day. It might be a few hours. It might take a week. And I've had all three of those experiences. Once you step through it, you acquire an intimacy with God that is unlike anything we've ever seen or at least that we've known, because each step gets us closer. But we have to be willing to lay everything down. And there is a big important piece here that's so important to understand. When I talk about laying down, there is a difference between saying you will and actually doing it. Pastor Paul Cantrell and I have spoken about this regularly in the different ways that we walk in the world, but very parallel. So I'll use his story, and it's a good one. Paul had a very successful business in Portland. Money was not an issue for him. He has a, has a house in Portland. And God said to him, lay it all down. And by that, God said, shut down your business, take your family on the road, and do ministry on the road. So Paul and Christine managed. They pulled their funds together. They bought a fifth wheel. Paul had a blessing of a, a, a new truck, which was at an amazingly good value that he needed for this. They have a Another vehicle, this is a large van that carries the kids, and they have a trailer behind that. So it's a caravan that they've created, and they drove, and they left the business behind. Related from one day to the next, Paul said, my business is closed. And they put all their savings into everything, and they walked away from the convenience and comfort and, and repetitiveness of this business that was growing and prospering. And the so there's one thing to say, God says, lay it down. You say, God, I'm willing to lay it down, which means you take no action. Or actually taking that which is most coveted to you, which in Paul's case is the family, and saying, Father, I'm willing to lay my business down and trust in you completely for the welfare of my family. When we walk into these places of truly understanding what it is to lay down, and we start to get into the place of truly trusting him, we begin to heal. And the transformation that happens is profound because we start to see and function in God in a different way than we have in the past. And in the process, we are coming closer and greater in the anointments that we are given in this world, especially as Pastor Dave Bryan refers to as the short list, which is spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons and raising the dead. All of these things are relevant because to get there, we have to be vulnerable. And our vulnerability before the throne and the true sense of vulnerability of opening it all up and laying it all down is what gives us greater power within him or he is him within us. And I think that we may squirm sometimes when we say power, but I think we miss the fact that we are the children of the Most High. There shouldn't be anything in this world that's going on that is outside of the way kingdom works. We are more powerful than we ever know and have ever known. And the more that we step into these authorities, we start to realize how great we truly are. Hence the narrative, you are unworthy, which I rebuke every time we say it, every time it is said. But unfortunately, that narrative of you are unworthy has become a predominant narrative in this nation, which limits the healing. It allows big pharma to step in and say, we've got a cure for you in terms of a pill. It allows doctors to step in and say, trust me, don't trust God. It allows... It allows the economic system to say, it's going to be bad. And we say, I know it's taxes. We hate it, but there's going to be more taxes. And we say, okay, we'll take it. And we live in this misery of acceptance that somehow we are unworthy. 
when our sons and daughters are shipped away to foreign wars that have nothing to do with us, we are doing so in, in a twisted way. We tell ourselves the only way we can be worthy is to serve our nation with our blood. This is the sort of depth of this narrative that is so rooted in a nation right now that we have to break. And hopefully, and the, my prayers are there, that this letter, even though it is a simple letter with 231 signatories, will provide a spark of hope and light to people to realize that there is a desire by a small few to step in and sacrifice everything, everything for this nation. Our lives, our honor, our sacred, our fortunes. To be able to step in and say there's something greater than us as we serve into that, as we lay that into that, that's what we're trying to awaken and raise up in this nation. And be very clear when I say this. I referred to this letter a number of times. Yes, I'm a signatory, and in no way is this to try to pedestalize what we've done. All we have done is, as a group, come together at a request within these circles that we're in to say, would you contribute your name to this as a veteran? The answer was yes. Because after praying on it, it was clear that this letter was not just of some man. It was a letter that was anointed by God to be able to move a process in a nation, to show a nation a way, like the Gideon 300. Because the great story about the Gideon 300 is the reminder that after the armies turned on itself, which personally, and I, I add this dimension to this story, I believe when the, when the shofars were blown and the pots of light were broken, it destabilized the demonic that was actively functioning in this other army. And it began to turn the demons upon themselves. And the army began to attack itself. And then those that had left and gone back to the village, as God had asked them to leave, returned to be part of the army that pursued the enemy as, they, as their rank and file collapsed. But it took 300. And that's the thing, the metaphor that I constantly use is God doesn't need 330 million. What God needs is 300. 300 that are willing to step up and say, send me. That's in our hearts. That's in our relationship about accepting God to a greater level that we trust in him in victory. We don't wait for him to fix our misery. And we don't live in the miserable. We don't live in the narratives of defeat. We don't live in the narrative of broken. And we don't accept the process of pain. While pain is a process of refinement, and that pain is more ranked to sorrow, and sorrow then leads us to an amazing understanding of love in the greatest sense because what we feel and what we experience is so profound and so heavy when we go through these things. The only way out of that is love. You can't live in those places. Trust me, I can tell you. <laughs> three weeks ago, I could tell you the story. And literally, it is so painful. You're, you're almost in travail asking God to take it away. But the only way through to take it away is to embrace a higher level of love. John 1.3 or 1 John 3, excuse me. So our accomplishment here in the greatness of what is going on in this world is our prayers and our prayers centered in a heart of love and forgiveness. Because in that process, it allows justice to have its place. This is not a war of flesh. And that's the one thing that this enemy constantly tries to churn is to try to convince people that the only way forward is that we will somehow have to kill each other in order to be set free. Sort of a ludicrous concept that keeps cropping up that is quite stunning to me how pervasive that whole concept is. And yet, here we are. And that's one of the things that I've spoke at for a long time and spoke to for many times and, and less hostile than it used to be. But the idea of the Second Amendment 
The First Amendment was placed there for a reason because it centers itself when we add the freedom of religion. It's also the freedom of prayer. And it's understanding that our words have the power of life and death. Endemically, the most powerful aspect of the First Amendment is the embracing of the concept that our words have the power of life and death. So the question is, are we speaking life every day into this nation? Are we speaking life into one another? And in the body of Christ, when we identify somebody who is in pain and broken, it is our responsibility and duty as we walk in the body of Christ to pray in life into them and pray in life to raise them up, to heal them and restore them. There is their responsibility at a certain point, unless God so rules that it doesn't matter, and that's God, that there needs to be a willingness to accept that place where the pain and the narrative of pain is set free. That's part of setting yourself free and then keeping yourself free so that you can help others to become free. Our greatest fight on this nation is, it is a daily action, and it is huge. And there is no question that if you're stepping into these places of the short list of Jesus, what I referred to earlier, and we're praying and healing each day, and we're praying, looking for the opportunities to deliver, to do deliverance, the, the idea of casting out demons, the idea of healing, the inner healing that's necessary, and the next level of this of raising the dead. When we are literally praying into these things and using those authorities where opportunity arises, not being fearful of whether it will work or not, but knowing that God hears our prayers and this is the role that we play. We're now actively on this battlefield of dislodging this enemy and awakening a nation and setting it free. And that should be the key mission of everything we do. Because no matter what happens, no matter who gets in power, whether it's Trump or Biden or, or RFK Jr. or whoever else is running, which honestly, I'm not even paying attention. The fact of the matter is that at the core of all of this, is the need for us to be outside of politics and praying into the, the political nonsense and praying into the victimization of people so that they are set themselves set free from politics. Politics isn't the answer, it's a trap. But we need to be praying into a nation to heal, to raise them up mightily in such a time as this and to start taking away the enemy's holdings and most precious prize, which are those that they, the enemy has stolen from God and captured and held captive. And as we do that through our prayers and our healing, our deliverance and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we start to become the most lethal weapons on the battlefield through the most noble and powerful gifts of war ever given, that of the word, that of truth, and that of healing and prayer. We will find our way back to this nation. We will restore this nation. And one of those big things, again, as I mentioned last night, is so important that everybody prays, in particular for this group around the letter and what that represents, is it's not just the letter, it's the echo effect and ripple effect that that's happening to help free an, a, a, a military, to set a military right. Because once that ship is righted and those ranks are cleared out and restores itself to a moral institution, and it with moral courage, you won't have a concern of wondering who's going to deal with enemies domestic and enemies foreign because there will not be these problems anymore being used like some throwaway ragdoll to be abused and ultimately destroyed. And that's what's happened to our military. And in order to change the nation then, once you get the military, which becomes ultimately the stern and the, and the rudder, or not just, but the rudder and the keel, excuse me, the rudder and the keel, then what you have is an ability to steer this nation back, to lead this nation back, because from that root of moral righteousness, 
you're now you're now bringing about and birthing the new leadership of the nation that have learned about service selflessly and have learned about being greaterness in who they should be. We're raising up great men. We're getting rid of this corruption of, of male plurality, which happens to be somehow half female androgynous nonsense. And we're getting back into the strength of being men. This nation needs great men. And women, I say this so many times when I say this because it's important to qualify. In any statement like that of men, it does not diminish who you are. And quite to the contrary, we should be grateful as a nation to have had strong and continue to have strong women that will step into the fight and lead where the men have not. But we need the strong men now to step in. And it's this hour. And it's important to understand that it's worth everything. That in this time, if you are afraid of letting go, then you're afraid of what Jesus has to offer because it is worth letting go of everything to receive what he is to get give. And whatever that cost is between the ownership, possession of the things of this world, the pain that you may carry, whatever that is, whatever that burden is you're hanging on to, if you cannot sever those ties and step into the gift of Jesus, you're missing how great that offering is from Christ. The riches of heaven are beyond any imagination. And in this hour, this is when we need people to realize that in the full trusting of God, laying it all down, you will have to be willing to sacrifice everything. Everything. Because this isn't about staying here. It isn't about your comfort. It isn't about passing on some legacy to your kids. It's not about having whatever it is that you need to refresh yourself because you've got a special vehicle and a special car. That's, understand, I'm not diminishing anything in material wealth. I want to be clear about this. But this does get to the place of it is harder for those with, with wealth and riches to get to heaven. Because as we become possessed by the, by the things that we own, then it's difficult for us to understand how important it is to sever those ties and set them free. And that's part of us also being into a step here of building a new type of economy, which we call kingdom economy. There's relationships that we're rewiring. There's ways of looking at the world that has to be redone. We have to stay committed on a path of always serving him and laying it all down to him to be set free, to be mighty in this world. And then to get past this brokenness, because brokenness, is again, is not of him. Brokenness is of the devil. And when we give the empowerment of the, the nation of brokenness, which we are all, to a certain degree in our lives, we have all walked in. Brokenness becomes the God that we serve rather than life and the glory of what our Father has given us. And it's literally that simple. We will find our way back, but it begins with us pivoting. It begins with us praying. It begins with us embracing victory. It begins with us saying, we are not walking in brokenness anymore, Father. We're walking in victory. And it begins in the place of praising God for all the great things we have. And understanding that where we are, to a large degree, is a place that has rooted itself in some sort of attack from the demonic that has allowed us to live into something that is truly an unreality when it comes to heaven. The letter that was given, that submitted to the world, is a shot across the bow. To a certain degree, one could argue that it is a form, a digital form of what happened in Lexington Concord. It is a shot heard around the world, which was, I think, more tied to the Boston Massacre, but nonetheless, you get my point. It is a shot that is ringing loud and clear to everyone, and it's seeing with the response of a nation that is now listening and paying attention to this, that the voice of a few is now raising up the voices of the many. 
and letting people step in and step into that line so that we can all fight online together. There's no, there's no one better than the other. So we can confront this enemy, pursue him, and ruthlessly destroy this enemy so it can never rise again. And that's all done in the Spirit, first and foremost. It's all done through prayer warfare. It's all done through intercession. It's all done through the methods of healing and restoring people and then setting them free. Let's pray. Father, let's open our prayer today for our nation, a nation that is sadly walking in a spirit of brokenness, and it's accepted this brokenness as part of whom we are. So, Father, we just pray against this, and we break the soul ties and disengage the any sort of bonds and anchors to this that are holding us back as a nation to see the lens of the life through brokenness rather than through life. And so this is truly a, a fight between the spirit of death and the spirit of life. And we rebuke those things that the spirit of death can, continues to put upon the hearts of the many to try to convince them as somehow they are not worthy. That message, Father, we, we seal and bind at this very moment that when it's spoken, we're asking that it's spoken in such a way and we're praying that it's spoken in such a way that the only thing that is heard is I am worthy in the many forms that that can take. And while we are imperfect and while we sin and we know this, it is not that we are unworthy, it's that we are being matured in the glory of heaven by a Father that's forever loving and forever merciful. And we thank you for that, Father. Amen. So in this hour, Father, as we walk into a new level of awareness, as this letter is now sent out, we pray for the momentum in this letter to continue, that the, the 231 signatories will now raise up hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in response in support of this so that this becomes a true movement of the many, not just a movement of a handful of the few. And let that be a reminder of us in the body of Christ, that the body of Christ is that of victory. It's not of, of defeat. And so whatever we carry within us, our pains, our sufferings, our wills, our stories of telling us that we are not ready, that we are broken, let those be rebuked and cast out. And instead, let us raise up a nation. Let us raise up a nation in the power and glory of life. And so we pray life into this nation. We pray life and restoration of the power of God within this nation. And we pray to, in that process of praying life, we pray for the awakening of the warrior hearts of Christ and us step up and say, it's my time. And it is time. Father, send me. So Father, we continue to pray for the, this whole community, Bars Nation. We pray for those attacks of the devil that should continue to try to divide or that continue to try to diminish the power and gifts of what you've given. And we rebuke that. And we place a hedge of protection around all that is and we, we call those hearts to come together as one and to pray on one another, to raise each other up, to release ourselves from the burdens that this, the demonic would want us to believe, to see the miracle healings more and more as we continue to present every Sunday and will continue to do every day. And let those powers of the anointings of healing completely consume us and overcome our communities in such a way that they cease to start seeing that of the physical world that start to honor and revel in the idea of the power of the one God, the true God, the God of hosts, the miracle God of healing. Let us bring these, this message to the people. Let us bring these, these eyewitness accounts to the people, the testimonies, again, so they can witness this, Father, and be transformed to understand truly whom they serve. And in so doing, we pray for the setting free of the communities, 
and across this nation in a profound way that leaves them so humbled and in love with Christ that's all they can seek and desire in their heart. So, Father, guide us in this hour. Bless us and raise us up. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are literally witnessing the spark that ignites the fire, a prairie fire or a forest fire, not which I want to see anymore. Forest burned down. I've seen too much of that. But you get my point. This is a spiritual fire that's being lit. And it's going to be on each and every one to keep that fire lit and keep driving forward because it's a profound place to walk. And we will. So, Father, again, we thank you for all that we have. Thank you for the continued blessings upon Bard's nation. We continue to pray for the voices of dissent to be healed and to see truly where this walk is and to use the Bard's Nation banner as a unit, unity, a place of unity to bring forth the many tribes as you've already shown so that we can walk together in unity in the body of Christ, each with our uniqueness and how we see the world, to create the character and the strength needed to overcome a most evil and pernicious enemy. Amen. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Good interview tonight. I think you'll enjoy it. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. 
not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 